Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. This morning, I find it only fitting that right off the bat that we begin in prayer. So let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, Lord, for your glory. And Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that today as we hear this message, Lord, I pray that you would use me to to preach your word, Lord, that your word would be clear, Lord, that we would have a true understanding of your word, of this psalm, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that you'll work in our hearts and work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles with you, please open to Psalm 36. And as you're opening your Bibles, I want you to think about the world we live in today. Um, some of the things that are going on and the, the hardships and the, the trouble that we seem to be facing. And there's two words that I want to kind of have in the back of your mind today. Uh, the first one's understanding. And the second one's said, And we'll get to said, but understanding. You ever, you ever get a project or something or your boss tells you to do something and he says it really quick and, and uh, you're standing there, you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and then you go to do it. And you're like, ooh, I don't understand. Okay, so today I've got a message that's been prepared. And, and I, wanna, I want us to truly understand what this psalm is saying. Okay, um, so in, in this world we've, we find that we live in, we find ourselves marked by a world of confusion. There, we're living in a day where misunderstanding is prevalent in many aspects of our life. There's a misunderstanding of authority. There's rebellion misunderstanding of one another, and there's emotional and relational challenges. As Christians, we have the only answer. God has given us a hope and a future in Jesus Christ. He has not left us on our own. God has given us Christ, and he has also given us his word. This morning, I want to take this time and unpack Psalm 36. Uh, the, The the title of the message is The Great Beauty of Hesed. Okay, and has, the, the word Hesed, it's a Hebrew word that means steadfast love. That's the most common term you'll hear. Uh, steadfast love is common throughout the Psalms. You'll hear it. And uh, Hesed is a term that acts like a giant umbrella that covers God's character and his actions towards his believers. Hesed is also connected to God's grace, his mercy, and forgiveness. Hesed shows unfailing love. Um, also, steadfast uh, uh, Hesed and steadfast love—it's it's a love that doesn't—it isn't dependent on what I've done or what I haven't done. And these are all like terms that cover Hesed. Um, so God is so God in His love is so good and so overwhelming. We're just going to take this time, and we're going to go through from God's Word what it says in the Bible. So if you'll read along with me in Psalm 36, uh, starting at verse 1, Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. He flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. 
He has ceased to act wisely and do good. He plots trouble while on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. O oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Let not the foot of arrogance come upon me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers lie fallen. They are thrust down, unable to rise. So this morning, what's the big question? What's our, what's our focus? Uh, and that is, how can we understand God's steadfast love? How can we make sense of it, and how can we rest in it? If we're going to understand this love, we have to start with the first thing. In point A, letter A, all of humanity is sinful. We all have fallen short and failed up to live to the glory and perfection of God. The Bible describes our problems with sin. Uh, in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it brings up the question, where does this moral corruption come from? First, we need to clearly understand the source of our sin problem. It comes from our heart. It's deeply embedded in our heart. Uh, we inherit our sinful nature from our earthly father, Adam. Uh, we see this early on in the Bible in Genesis. By the time we get to the third chapter, uh, Adam and Eve, they've sinned. They, they were put in the garden and given one command, and they were deceived, and they sinned against God. And right away, what do we see? What, what, did, what did Adam do? He blamed his wife, right? And what did Eve do? She blamed the serpent, okay? And, and there's often temptation for us to dismiss the wickedness of our heart, just like they, they did. Uh, the Old and New Testaments have an accurate diagnosis for us. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? In Romans, Paul reminds us, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all man because all have sinned. Now, I know some of you here, you have children. Some of you are grandparents. Um, some of you take care of children and some of you are expecting children. And it doesn't take long to find out that, that sin is in our hearts. You don't have to teach a child to lie, to cheat, to steal, all these things. It's in our heart. It's deeply embedded in us. Uh, when we don't deal rightly with sin, things don't get better. When sin goes ignores, ignored, it goes from bad to worse. And it, it makes me think of David. Uh, David 
uh, a man after God's own heart, right? As a young man, he ran to Goliath, right? When nobody else would take a stand, he ran to him. And then later in our lives, what do we see? We see some terrible sin. It started with just a glance, probably. And then, and then he, he acted on it. And then he took her in and he did wrong with her. And then it went even worse, right? It, um, just uh, de- uh, murder, flat-out murder, right? And then trying to hide it. But God used David. There was a difference between David and Saul. David understood and, and realized his sin and he repented of it. And yet God still used him. So even though there's a sin in our lives, you're not too far gone. Um, it's, it's deceptive. Uh, that's, there we go, Part, letter B. Sin is deceptive and destructive. In our own opinion, we easily think that we are fine, right? What do we say? Well, there's, there's no problem. I'm good. I don't have a problem. I don't need God. I, I, haven't, I haven't done this thing or that thing. Or, or maybe people would say, well, I have done this thing. I, I, don't, I don't need this God. And naturally, we don't fear God. Uh, right away in the first verse, we see the, the statement, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. Uh, naturally, we're self-centered and we're deceived by our sin. This is very clear in the first two verses uh, where it says there's no fear of God before his eyes. Just take a split second and think about that. The God that spoke everything into existence, existence and, and man doesn't fear that. Uh, he flatters himself in his own eyes. In our own estimation, sin leaves us thinking high of ourselves in little to nothing of God. Notice the reference in these two verses. There's, there's two references to eyes, and it's not physical eyes. It's, it's, it's our thought process. How, we, how do we perceive things in our lives, in our minds? And in these first four verses, they're, they're showing that in our eyes, there's, there's no regard for God. Sin takes us on a downward spiral, just like we talked about with David. And we would be lost forever without God providing a Savior for us. Jesus Christ is the only one that can redeem and rescue us from our sin. Letter C, we must reject evil. The unrepentant person, he sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Uh, the unrepentant person, they don't reject evil because they are slaves to sin. And in today's day and age, we see this on a level never before probably seen. Uh, people today, they, they protect and celebrate sin and evil rather than rejecting it. They plot evil and they spend their lives advancing trouble. Uh, the scripture says he plots trouble while on his bed. Your bed, a place reserved for rest and, and comfort and the evil man is just plotting and scheming. They can't even sleep well because they're consumed with doing more that displeases God. But a child of God is radically different. They desire to love God, to serve him, and to do the things that are right. We have been changed and we've been born again. Uh, in Romans, we're going to go to Romans 8.28, and in Romans, there's a great promise but don't miss out on the condition. 
uh, Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, there's the condition, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. It's a great promise. Letter D, we find that there's a chasm. There's a chasm or a separation or a barrier between God and fallen man because of this sin. We are unwilling and unable to come to God on our own. We are desperately in need of rescue. Uh, the Lord's name and character came into full display when God, the covenant-keeping God, re revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. The Lord delights in showing steadfast love, that's to said, and he delights in forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. So I had to do a little bit of looking in this because right here in these first couple verses we see iniqui uh, iniquity and transgression, and it's going to come up later in some verses too. It, what is it? And in my mind it was like, well, it's sin. And that's true. Uh, but, but these are specifically laid out. And, and transgression, it's, a, it's the idea of a trespass, like stepping over a line. And it, it can be something that's uh, a single person, a group of people, or even a nation. But iniquity, that's a, like a premeditated uh, a sin. It's, a, it's if, if you could say this, the, the, the worst of the sins. So let's look at Exodus 34, uh, 5 through 7. Um, this is uh, when Moses uh, went back up on Mount Sinai with the tablets. Uh, he met with the Lord. And this is what the Lord, this is a description from the Lord himself about himself. All right, verse 5. The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaiming the name of the Lord. He's talking to Moses. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. There it is. But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. We've seen God's loving character. It was described in all them words. Now here's God's love in action. God has made a way for sinners. His name is Jesus. The gap between us and our sin and God and his holiness is covered by Christ and the cross. Uh, I'd like you to just get a mental picture in your head. We've got an actual one. Stephen was very gracious with me um, and helped me with all this. But Stephen actually took a picture of this, and this is the Grand Canyon. And uh, I want you to, to think in your minds. Um, you're on one side of this canyon with your selfishness, your sin, your desires, and, and, and your wants. And on the other side of that canyon, there's God, there's his love, there's his eternity, there's heaven and everything that he stands for. And in the middle, there's the chasm. And if I were to ask you, I want you to build a bridge across there, but I don't, but, but you've got to do it on your own. If you're honest with yourself, you'd say that you can't do it. But God in his love, at just the right time, he sent a savior to this world 
Jesus Christ came to this world, walked our streets, lived the life that you and I are called to live, a holy, perfect, and, and right and just life that we can't do. He lived that life for us. And for the sin that we have that's deep in our heart, he died on a cross for us. A shameful, terrible death. And maybe today you're here and, and, and you feel like there's no hope or, or you're, you're frustrated or you feel defeated. Make no mistake, Jesus' disciples and his, his followers, they felt defeated. But that, but that wasn't the end. Friday's good because Sunday's coming. All right? Jesus came, he rose, he rose from the dead, and he, he, he rose and in, in conquered death in the hell and grave, in the grave. <laughs> and and this, this gives us all hope. There's life that's found in Christ Jesus, and that is our only hope to, to be rid of this sin and this shame. And he's the only one that can build the bridge back to us, and that's only through the cross. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. It's not our works. It's what Jesus did on the cross. But God is two of the greatest words in the Bible. We are owed death, which is our penalty for sin. But God is gracious to give everyone who turns from their sin and repents. This is, this is a turn. This is 180. I don't want to do that. I want to follow Christ. He's gracious for them that will trust in him alone. He gives life that never ends. Uh, Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the, gift of, the free gift of God is eternal life, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can I ask you this morning, have you realized your own depravity? The life and death of Jesus won't make sense until you admit that you have a sin problem. Uh, John Stott has a quote that I found very helpful. Before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. We all must consider and answer the question, how do I view the cross? And can I make it personal? Can I ask you, how do you view the cross? When we read these, this psalm, uh, it's pretty easy to see in the first four verses, uh, it's kind of rough, it's kind of, it's pretty blunt. But then there's a distinct change, right? And if we're gonna understand God's steadfast love, uh, our second point, we must realize the magnitude of God's love. God has made a way for sinners, and that's through the cross. The cross is the greatest display of God's love. The cross of Christ is the only way for us to be redeemed and transformed by his steadfast love, or we could say his said. God's character is clearly visible. It's visible everywhere we look. We see the great love of God coming down, descending to us in man in this psalm. We're going to read verse 5 and 6 again. Uh, Your steadfast love, O Lord, it extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. 
Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. We are overwhelmed by the majesty of God. His attributes are immeasurable. We see the glory of his creation everywhere we look. And in them verses uh, five and six, what do we see? His steadfast love, his faithfulness, his righteousness, and his judgments. It's all his. It's not us. And even, even at that, uh, the verses, uh, they extends to the heavens. So this is like a top down. This extends to the heavens, to the clouds, the mighty mountains, and the great deep. Th- this is a visualization. This is everything. And it's all God's. Christ came down, just like the, this analogy here with the heavens, clouds, mountains, and deeps. He came down. That's how much he loves us. And he was willing to die for us. That, friends, is said. Letter B, God's care is personal. He is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. God is provident in his care over all of his creation. Uh, it says in the scripture, man and beast, you save, O Lord. God desires a personal relationship with each and every one of us. God is beyond our comprehension, and yet he is close at hand. Uh, in Philippians, we, we read that the Lord is near and at hand. Isn't it good to be near to a God that, that cares for us and loves us? He cares for man and animals, and his provision demonstrates his love and his kindness. What do we have to worry about? We deserve to be crushed by this God, but instead he cares for us. Even, even an atheist, a person that denies God, says there is no God. He even takes care of them. <clears throat> oh boy, I lost my spot. <laughs> Uh, even the atheist, where are we at? Okay, uh, Matthew 6:26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither snow, sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Listen, everyone, for in every stage of life, our lives have value in Christ. Romans 2, 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? This kindness, it has a purpose. It's meant to pull us out. It's meant to get us out of verses 1 and 4, to, to, to take us away from it and to draw us near to him. How can we understand this love? First, we must recognize our depravity. Second, we must realize the magnitude or the greatness of God's love. And once we've received this love, number three, we need to rejoice in God's steadfast love. This love, it's, it's steadfast, it's steady, it's not up and down, it's steadfast. Our greatest need is a redeemer and a savior, and Christ fulfilled that need. There's indescribable value in God's love. It is precious to every person who has been forgiven and redeemed. There is shelter under the mighty wings of the Lord, and a child of God is truly thankful for this love. In Psalm 57, verse 1, 
we see the psalmist say, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storm of destruction passes by. And, and I want you to take note of this. The psalmist didn't say, when you hold me close, I take refuge. He didn't say, if I'm near to you, I take refuge. He just said, just in the shadow. Just let me be in the shadow. There's abundant life in Christ Jesus. Not just water that sustains us for a day, but forever. Jesus promised the woman at the well living water. He is the fountain of life and the light of the world. Uh, so that first point, Jesus is the fountain of life. Our souls are desperate for Christ. Physically, we are dependent on water to live. It's something we need every day. And, and, in, and in the Middle Eastern area, this would be even more prevalent. It would be more on their minds. It was a constant need, as it is today. And even so, how much more do we depend on God? His water will satisfy our deepest need of him. On the, uh, John 7, verse 37. On the last day of the feast, that, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. This invitation is to everyone. This isn't exclusive for any group of people. It's for everyone. Revelation 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. Loved ones, this is a, this is a water that never ends. And it's interesting how God works in our lives. As I was preparing this message, it just clicked on me. And, and I got thinking about it. For those of you who don't know, I work at a water filtration plant. And... We take water in, we process it. There's a, it's, it's a whole system, right? And uh, it, it's, it's a big deal. Um, we process like 5 million gallons a day on average. I just, I'm a numbers geek. I did just some rough numbers. It's about 5 million gallons a day. Um, in the short time that I've worked there, less than three years, it's, it's over 4 billion gallons of water that we've processed. And, and it's a relatively small plant. But that's, it's, a, it's a big deal. It takes a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money. And, and then it's distribu distributed out. And, and to make it safe, it's a big deal. But the, 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 this verse here, it, it just clicked with me. The, the water of life without price. This water is free and it's, it's, it's abundant and it's available to all. Jesus is also the light of life. In your light. Do we see light? And we've talked about it earlier. We, we live in, in some dark times, though it feels. But there is light. Jesus is the true light. John 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And friends, this light will never go out. It's not, a, it's not a bulb we have to change. It's not a candle we have to relight or get another one. It'll never go out. It's eternal. So if we're going to understand God's steadfast love, first, we need to recognize our own depravity. Second, realize the magnitude of God's love. Third, rejoice in God's love. And lastly, 
we need to rest in the unfailing love of God. This is in verse 10 and 12. Uh, this, is, this is like a believer's prayer, this last section. It says, keep, uh, keep A, point A, keep me in your love and righteous. Right? It's almost as if the psalmist is saying, keep me, hold me. I've been in the garbage. I don't want to go back. Protect me. The people of God live in the goodness of God together. Keep drawing out or continuing your steadfast love towards us. This is especially realized in the community of the church. Now if you look in verse 10, uh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright of heart. This is the church, this is us, right? This is the believers. And together we walk together, we live together, we experience life together, and we glorify God through that. And can I, can I just throw a little something in here? A little unpaid promotional thing. <laughs> if you're part of our church and you're not in a, a small group, please consider it. There's a relationship and, a, and a, a friendship that's built there that I can't describe. People that, that we love, we go through good times, we go through bad times, and we study God's word together. So can I just encourage you? If you're not part of it, connect. <laughs> uh, we are absolutely dependent on God and his steadfast love and righteousness. Together we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, letter B in this point. Keep me from being overcome by e evil. I need your help and your protection always. Okay, uh, Psalm 41, verse 11. By this, I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me. Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The word of God doesn't say it's going to be easy. It doesn't say our life's going to be simple and we're not going to have any problems. Honestly, that's far from the truth. Most of the apostles died a horrific death. And even though we face trials and suffering and persecution, those who trust in Christ alone, they will not ultimately be defeated. And this psalmist, he's just asking, don't let me be defeated. Don't let me forget the end of all those who oppose you. Verse 12. Final verse, in Christ we will overcome. Every believer can confidently say, I will overcome with Christ. Amen. Revelation 21, verses 5 through 8. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have his heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, 
which is the second death. Do we desire to share God's love, his goodness, this has said? Do we desire to share it with others? This message is, a, is this psalm is just a simple gospel message. Uh, in this, we see the true love that God has for us. And this morning, I just pray that there's a deeper understanding of this has said through this. In summary, if we're going to understand God's steadfast love for us, we need to recognize the depravity of man. Realize the magnitude and the greatness of God's love. Rejoice in, this, in God's steadfast love and rest in the unfailing love of God. Can I ask you this morning, have you experienced this steadfast love? And if you have, will you share it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day, Lord. We thank you for this love, this has said, Lord, this love that's limitless, boundless, Lord, it's steady. And Lord, it, it's, it's, it's directed to us. Lord, we thank you that you have made a way for us to be right with you through Jesus Christ and the cross. Lord, I pray that you will work in hearts. And may, if anyone's here that, that hasn't placed their trust in Christ, Lord, may you work in their lives today. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.